Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to another podcast week. I'm super honored to have Sandra Maurer on as a guest today. She, um, we met, I think because of a doula connection when I think so. I was interested in, um, actually it's relevant to the topic we're going to talk about today. Although we've both, that was a few years back and we've only met through the internet, which is kind of amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I think I met you when I was doing more work around like medicinal mushrooms and um, five element blends. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it turned out that we had all these other doula connections and interests. And of course, being mamas, um, both two, three, although hers is much closer in (laughs) age than mine. Um, So it's kind of timely that we're coming back around to this conversation. Mm -hmm. And thank you for contributing to this work around being willing to talk about abortion in ways that not everyone's willing to talk about. Sure. All right. So um, we're going to talk about the mind-body connection today. And most of us know the tension of a long day stored in our shoulders or that gut-wrenching feeling when the phone rings in the middle of the night or a headache at the end of a day that took all our brain power. These are signs that our body gives us clues. It alerts us when we've pushed too hard on a project deadline or when we've put other people's needs too far ahead of our own. If you've ever found yourself saying, I'm sick and tired of, then you know the feeling of crossing that line from mental exhaustion or trauma into physical manifestation of dis-ease. My very limited knowledge of traditional Chinese medicine taught me enough to know that some of the most common emotions women feel after abortion have a clear and direct connection to the body. For women who have given ample time and space to explore their post-abortion emotions, it's unlikely that the event will manifest into physical symptoms. But for the numbers of women who have deep and lingering feelings regarding their past experience, here are five possible, and I like, we could go all kinds of directions with this, but I just grabbed five possible connections between abortion and the physical body. So the first one um, shows us that the study of the mind-body connection um, alerts us to the fact that if left unaddressed, worry can reveal itself through the spleen. So this might arise for women who find themselves dwelling or focusing significant amounts of time thinking about or hiding their abortion. If worry is weighing on on someone, they may find themselves tired, lacking appetite, struggling with digestion, experiencing weak muscles, having pale lips, bruising, or heavy menstrual blood flow. Now, these are just like, and and as I move through this list, these are just 
arrays of symptoms we may see that alert us to that mind-body connection. By no means are you going to experience all of these at one time. Some may manifest stronger than others, um, but those are all the conversations we'll have uh, with Sandra a little bit. Um, research also shows us that the lungs are one of the organs that hold onto grief and detachment. If grief, sadness, or detachment are affecting your daily life after abortion, you may find yourself with dry skin, frequent colds, allergies, lung conditions, or depression that lands you struggling to function on a daily basis. Another organ affected by our feelings is the liver. Anger, resentment, irritability, and frustration reside in the liver. If these are feelings you continue to have after abortion, you may experience breast enlargement, menstrual pain, headaches, dizziness, irritated eyes, or tendinitis. Another one that might not surprise many is that abortion can also influence the heart. Emotionally, it may look like lack of enthusiasm and vitality, despair, depression, or apathy. Unresolved emotions in the heart can manifest as insomnia, irregular heartbeats, excessive dreaming, poor long-term memory, and physiological disorders. And lastly, for our purposes here, um, the emotions that I'd like to look at are related to the kidneys. So they include fear, insecurity, isolation, weakened willpower, and the kidneys are our most life-sustaining organ. And symptoms of unresolved emotion in the kidneys or trapped in the kidneys may express as frequent urination or infection, night sweats, poor short-term memory, lower back pain, conditions related to the ears, premature graying hair or hair loss or bone conditions. So I just listed like so many things for us to process. Um, and we're using abortion as a topic of introduction to this idea that emotions can be held or trapped or um, linger in the body. Uh, but there may be other things that contribute to these same emotions and the same manifestation in the body. So in addition to talk therapy or life coaching, and actually Sandra also is a therapist, um, nutrition is an important healing tool when physical expressions of emotional distress arise. Body work like therapeutic massage or network chiropractic and body movement such as Qigong or yoga also help trap help release trapped emotions in the body. Your body is always sending you messages. Listening and responding takes practice and commitment. This is work that takes an upfront investment, but literally adds time and quality to your life. So Sandra is a part of a partnership in which they work with um, yoga and trauma. Mm -hmm. And I love what was written on your website. It says, and that partnership is um, called Terra Firma. And you wrote, you or she or you both together, <laughs> crafted. Uh, Terra Firma helps people find their way back to safe and solid ground by tapping into the wisdom of the body. Mm -hmm. And there we have it. Uh, that imagery of safe and solid ground through our awareness and the clues that our body give us just is everything to me. So, officially, welcome, welcome. Thank you. 
Do you want to introduce yourself? I said to Sandra before we started that to me, she is a woman of many talents and many wisdoms (laughs) and many certifications. Um, Do you, is there anything you want to introduce about yourself um, or your experiences, you know, in any, in any way before we start the conversation? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that the work of Terra Firma is um, a really specific offering. Uh, my partner, Angela, is trained in TCTSY as a facilitator, which is trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's particularly with David Emerson in Massachusetts. That's a long certification and mentorship program. Mm-hmm. And then I've had um, a couple of different trauma-informed yoga trainings. And so what we do is provide services in clinical settings, um, so treatment centers that already exist, uh, and in therapy clinics for clients experiencing um, symptoms of trauma uh, or other mental health that might have an over, other mental health concerns that might have an overlap with trauma, since there is so much overlap, we, we kind of know from the research now. Um, so that is a really specific offering and it is really different than what you may find in a traditional yoga studio. Interesting. Um, I yeah. love that you're taking this sort of the ancient wisdom of yoga and the body and, you know, some of the concepts I introduced through traditional Chinese medicine, but pulling them into like a more Western setting, like a mm-hmm. more scientific setting. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of who I am is a a blend of those things. I really love research. Everything we do is an evidence-based care approach. Um, And we're continually kind of internally checking what we're doing, what we're offering. Um, And doing that on purpose to kind of set it apart. A lot of clients that we work with um, really don't feel comfortable in traditional yoga settings or even with the word yoga. We often call it movement group. Um, there's religious barriers for some folks. There's the idea of whether or not my body size, shape, or color uh, mm-hmm. is welcome or gender is welcome in this space. Um, so we really tried to set that apart on purpose to kind of remove some of those barriers. And when I came to that work, I think starting by working with mothers um, as a doula and my partner, Angela, also a mother, um, was working with them just in yoga and, and healing settings. She's also a Reiki practitioner which is not part of our terraforma work, but what she was doing beforehand. And we met teaching in a traditional like public yoga studio space. Um, And I was teaching a lot of women's health and prenatal yoga, um, which worked really well with my doula work at the time and found that we were just working with a lot of moms who were experiencing or re-experiencing traumatic experiences around the perinatal time, which is kind of the term for pre postpartum um, and, and fertility and that includes anything from miscarriage to abortions, just any number of pregnancies um, in any way. And uh, found that we just didn't really have the tools to help them we, the way we felt like we could. Mm. Um, and we know that trauma lives in the body. So yeah. there is just so much that talk therapy can get to. Um, and, and you are the, also a talk therapist, correct? Right. I'm finishing up that uh, mm-hmm. those clinical hours. So I do offer... Therapy and I work mostly with families and around the perinatal time period as well. Um, I just think that's a great, it's an important thing to mention because it's something you believe in deeply, but you also recognize the limitations of. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't always address what's happening in the body and how we can move that through. 
Yeah. And I really am trying to carve out a space where those two things support each other, because I think if we don't identify the cognition that gets attached to some of these somatic experiences um, or to the trauma itself, then we're not getting the complete picture either. Um, And so I think they both just go hand and that's that East West meeting. I think that those two things really work really well together um, and trying to continue to carve out that kind of space. Yeah. I love that, you know, you said very like clearly and confidently trauma lives in the body. Can you Mm -hmm. speak more to that and, um, and how we've like come to, I mean, that's like been known ancient wisdom in many, many cultures, but like, can you speak more to how we are coming around to accepting and seeing that? Sure. Um, I think in America and in kind of Western cultures, we've really only thought about trauma um, in the past like well, like 100 years or so, if that. And we began by just identifying it as PTSD and, and war uh, and that kind of traumatic event or maybe a natural disaster. And that's how most people are still kind of familiar with what trauma is, this like really intense event um, and very specific to kind of life, death, um, and, and, and very dramatic. Um, and I think our definition started pretty narrowly, but we saw that people were having experiences of veterans coming home and we didn't really know how to heal them and talking about what happened tend to make it worse. Um, so our definition has continued to expand and there's been a lot of research that has supported the idea that, um, this trauma shows up differently. So for example, uh, say Resma Manikam, who wrote, uh, my grandmother's hands has done a lot of work around the idea of racialized trauma and generational Mm -hmm. trauma. So we know that epigenetically, folks who haven't even uh, experienced in their lifetime what we might call a traumatic event still show up with somatic symptoms like increased risks of schizophrenia and heart problems. Um, So as an example, um, we know that- That was my my grandmother's hands. hands. Oh, wow. Right. Now I want to read that book. (laughs) You should read that book. It's a really powerful book, especially as a white person as well, living in the, living in the States. Um, So, right. So we know that this shows up. We know that like the ACEs study, which was about adverse childhood experiences, if you've had a certain number of them, not necessarily being a war veteran, right. But maybe having experienced some neglect or living in the foster care system or uh, a family that had a lot of dysfunction, even Um, we have kids that are higher risk for all kinds of things. And it, all the way up to early death, right? Like our life expectancy is shortened when we've had traumatic experiences. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bessel van der Kolk should just add one little piece about how it shows up. Um, the, the, my Body Keeps the Score, which I'm sure you've read, mm-hmm. really pioneering research in how like, we can measurably the body shifts. So for example, um, heart rate variability, which is a stress measure, um, basically how connected your heart rate and your breath are and someone who has not had a lot of trauma, um, they will be coordinated. So when your heart rate increases, your breath gets a little shallower, it kind of prepares you for whatever is happening, right? You need to be turned, turned on in your nervous system to do something. Uh, for people that have experienced trauma, there's a huge disconnect. Um, so they'll stay in one, one side or the other and the breath and the heart rate won't coordinate well. So there's actually a disconnection that we can what measure. About- what about people who have experienced trauma but have done a lot of work around it? What, and I realize work is like a relative term. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. 
what about that? Like, does it improve? You mean? Yeah, exactly. It does. Yeah. So yeah. what we found is that through trauma, through movement, trauma informed practices, um, it does improve. And that's kind of the big thing, right? That's the big revolution is that when we start to work with the body in a really specific way, um, it, it allows room for healing. Um, so, but I it, think that's so important because, you know, for those of us who have, and next let's talk about trauma and abortion, whether or not yeah. to even go together. But, yeah. um, I think for a lot of people who have experienced trauma in their life, which is literally mm -hmm. everyone, if you kind of brought in the definition, um, there can be this sense of like, well, I'm doomed, right? Like my mm -hmm. life is shorter, my health is terrible, but like the point sure. that we're talking about is like, that's not the case. Like you can use those experiences to move, you know, to move through and heal. I, I mean, I would, the, I'm so curious about my grandmother's hands because I would guess almost that, you know, if you come in with kind of like generational trauma yeah. in your mm -hmm. system, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not really sure what the words are to use here, but in your system, doing the work around that can actually heal like past generational trauma, not mm -hmm. only the trauma in your life, so um, it actually would make you stronger, right? Than you yeah. might have been had you never looked at that. So, so we call that building resilience. And yeah, what there we you go. know about resilience is <laughs> See, you have the words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we think a lot about the words. That's a big thing that we do. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute about how language affects us. Yeah. Um, but the building resilience, what we know about resilience is it's not something that you're born with or not born with. Um, it's something that can be developed, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's sure. Some people are born with a higher capacity because maybe they aren't working from a place with generational trauma. Right. Um, right. And maybe they didn't have a lot that happened at an early developmental age. They've experienced trauma at an older age, for example. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a higher resilience tank from the get-go, right? Yeah. Um, it's going to take maybe a little bit less time or maybe a little bit less work or feel a little less complicated for them than it would be somebody who has some of these other factors at the same time. So this is why it doesn't look the same for everybody. We might just not right. be aware of some of the factors that we're having. Um, and uh, the, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, I think the body and like female body and trauma for a second, yeah. and then yeah, talk about please. like how we approach that with um, trauma informed yoga practices. Um, so, I mean, like I said, one of the reasons we came to this work, both Angela and I was through working with, with um, folks who identify as women and have uteruses and are experiencing births, abortions, miscarriages, um, loss, all of that. And I think, um, I think an abortion doesn't necessarily imply a traumatic experience, like you mentioned earlier. I think that any care we give to women around their health can be either a space where we create um, empowerment or we create trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens, if you remember, like through all your birth work and doula stuff, yeah. that can happen in a, in a regular old hospital room that can, in a, in a birth that goes, you know, according to textbooks, according to hospital standards, uh, trauma can live there. Um, and it can also, that could also be a really healing place for some women. So I think it's really in the approach um, and whether or not the women are given the power in the circumstance or not. Um, and that's really what the yoga provides, the approach that we have, right? So 
you know, in a traditional yoga class, for example, and there's nothing, I want to preface this by saying there's nothing wrong with going to yoga classes in studios. <laughs> uh, I love going to yoga classes in studios, all kinds of yoga classes. Um, but when we're thinking about it, healing, right? When you walk into a, right. a, a yoga studio, right? There might be some things that kind of feel like don't fit you, but let's say you make it in there anyway. And now the teacher is kind of walking around the room and maybe touching you without consent, which is a big deal in Yoga Alliance right now. Um, or saying things like, feel your, the weight of your body in the floor. Um, if you're someone who's dealing with an eating disorder, as an example, and someone says to you, feel the weight of your body in the floor, it's likely that your nervous system is going to be triggered and it's going to be uh, really impossible to stay present in that room for the rest Ooh. of that yoga class. That could have otherwise been really healing. Mm. So not to say that everyone should be worried that every word they say is going to cause a problem. No, right? Now I'm not, like, oh my gosh, how many times have I said that? I know. Now I, I don't teach yoga, but I've said it in other, in other ways. Like I, right. I definitely use language like that. Yeah. Right. And it, it's, it's not harmful in and of itself, right? And for mm -hmm. some folks that might feel fine, but we need to start looking at, through the lens, I think publicly that everyone's coming into your room with something. And how can mm -hmm. I give the power back to them instead of it being about me, the teacher? So when we do the yoga it, with, with clients in particular, and Terra Firma only does this kind of work, um, everything is invitational, everything is optional, and the language represents that. So I don't get up and move around. I never touch you. I don't change the lighting in the room um, for the most part. And I, all the language sounds something like, you might consider um, noticing how your feet feel in the floor. And if you don't notice any feeling, that's okay too. So it's, it's all okay. built around I think that. I do use a lot of that language. Yeah. It's like an invitation to feel it's versus a invitation. Yeah. 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 So okay. Now we're giving the power back to the participant yes. as opposed to me. Right. And that's, I think, what can happen around healthcare for women in particular things like birth, mm -hmm. pregnancy, abortion, loss, all of that, it gets very disempowering. And that's what creates the trauma, I think, for the most part, when women have the sense that they're able to make the decision and they are able, and they feel like they've been supported through that decision process. And after, like you mentioned, I think you're right. I think there's a lot less chance for um, tra trauma to show up cognitively and in those somatic um, symptoms that you were listing. Yeah. And I mean, there are many women who would argue and are and it's true for them that abortion is not trauma and was not traumatic mm -hmm. um but even taking out like eliminating like the actual physical experience of abortion mm -hmm. it's for i would say the majority of people even just the culture around mm -hmm. abortion is traumatic yeah <laughs> um because of the intensity of it and the black and whiteness of it and the fear and hate and you know it's hard like even if you take away the physical experience of an abortion mm -hmm. the culture around it alone already disempowering yeah. yeah yeah as a culture we have a really hard time trusting women to make decisions for themselves mm -hmm. um at you know at every level um, and particularly around health and especially around um, the idea of babies because mm -hmm. that for some reason babies feel like public property um, and so there's this weird gray area right where we collectively want to care for our children as a country right but who does that belong to um, yeah. and people that's where it gets murky and confusing I think we focus so much on the arguments and all this stuff comes up so much from 
I think misinformation and dogma and the lack of the ability to move out of dichotomous thinking, mm. but also I think from, um, uh, what, what, what's my words? I lost my words in the end of that sentence. Also, I think, I think from the idea that, um, uh, well, yeah, the dichotomous thinking, but it has to be one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and instead of asking the question, like, should or we should, should we do this or should we not? We, we should be asking the question, who gets to decide if we should do this or we should not? And it's never yeah. the women, right? That's never yeah. the answer. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the problem. I think what we're talking about too addresses, like, I know in my own personal experience, I say a lot that I felt an incredible amount of grief. Mm. And I would ask where it was from and it like literally wasn't mine. <laughs> mm. And so here I was experiencing trauma um, that did come from the larger spiritual, emotional, social picture of abortion. And it was so confusing for me to explain because I couldn't attach it to like my physical experience or even my like personal abortion choice or any of it. It was like, so I think for a lot of us after abortion, and these are the conversations I just want to keep opening is like, there's so many layers. Like mm -hmm. if you feel really good about your decision, but it also feels traumatic, that's okay. Like that there's yeah. lots of reasons that could be happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. think if you're thinking about the, you know, generational uh, and racialized trauma as well, in particular, mm -hmm. if you think about African American women in, in um, maternal health care, right? We know that they, uh, their maternal mortality rate, the, the rate of women, the rate at which African women are dying in as a result of childbirth causes is four times that of white women in the states. Mm -hmm. So there's disparities in healthcare for them already, um, as a group, uh, we we could say. And if we think about that layered with, you know, traditionally how we treated. African American women's bodies in this country, mm -hmm. right? And how, how we treated their children and their ability to attach and bond with children and their pregnancies, uh, how, how obstetrics was created <laughs> was, was yeah. by- Oh my God. Right, right. So like all my heart that, literally hurts just hearing yeah. you talk about it. It all lives, right? In the cells of the grandchildren and the great grandchildren yeah. who experienced that. And so it would make sense, right? That at a cognitive level, at a at a, you know, a conscious level, I might not have felt that this experience was traumatic, but maybe something's happening in my body mm -hmm. in response to something that I'm not even totally aware of. Yeah. But it's yeah. actually pre-verbal. A lot of this stuff happens, the, you know, nervous system regulation is happening in the cerebellum in the back of the brain, and there's no language there, right? There's no words right. for what's happening. Right. right. Yeah. And I just, I mean, the reason I choose, well, there's lots of reasons I choose abortion as an avenue to step in and look at all these things. Um, mm -hmm. But you can choose so many things to, to step in and do this work, like to really start to make those connections in your body and your mind and how that's affecting other people and creating more awareness. And um, I think this is a great conversation inside. And of course, like, Abortion is just the way I'm bringing it to the world, but the work that you're doing is so, so important. And I want to thank you for doing it. Yeah, I love doing it. I don't think I could do anything else. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, you know, you found your groove. And like yeah. I said, you're the woman of many wisdoms. So you have lots of <laughs> avenues to come at this from. Do Is there anything that you feel called to share with the listeners before we wrap up here? Hmm. 
Well, oh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't live near you or the terra firma work, um, what's a good way to find um, trauma-based healing through yoga? Um, Mm -hmm. Those, again, those words did not come out right, but I think people get what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A good place to start is to go to the trauma center's website and they have a list of facilitators who have the, 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 uh, certification that my partner does that TC, okay. T- CSY, uh, certification. That's a really good place to start. Um, you can also reach out to, you can Google trauma informed yoga in your area. Okay. I think a lot there of people, those are the words. That way. Yeah. <laughs> trauma informed yoga or trauma informed yoga. yoga. Okay. Right. And the reason awesome. why there's different languaging around that is because of that different kind of training programs and trademark names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you and will I, get different experiences from different people. So do a little bit of homework, maybe somebody right. that if you're you know a mental health practitioner that they have, they refer to, like we work with mental health professionals so that they feel safe referring to us. If mm-hmm. there's somebody that like, if you know somebody in mental health, they might be able to point in the right direction too. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I hope everybody um, continues to look into this work, whether for themselves or for their loved ones and whether around abortion or something else, like it's, it's great conversations to be had. Oh, you know what? I will add one thing before you. Go, go, go. In relationship to finding support, like finding um, trauma informed yoga support, we also provide trainings for people who are, have some yoga and some mental health experience to be able to bring this um, to their communities. So for example, we're doing a three-day training on site at one of the reservations about two hours north of us so that Mm. they can have their own facilitators as opposed to white women coming in and telling them more to do with their bodies. Um, So as an example, we provide stuff like that. And there might, you know, if that's an option for people who might not be close enough, but want to maybe bring us to their communities, that's something that we can also find. Yeah. Or introduce your work to their yoga studios. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.